know today was Palm Sunday. Come on, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We are celebrating Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and ultimately his triumphal entry into our lives. So we're going to get there, and I can't wait to dive into the Word of God with you. But before we do, uh, we have to give out maybe one of, one of the most coveted things that exists here on the earth, um, and that is a golden hammer. And if you are new, I know. Uh, if you are new here, you do not know that this spray-painted spray painted hammer uh, is, is often replicated but never can be duplicated. Can I get an amen? Uh, what, what this uh, represents to us is that we love to celebrate people who have been laying their lives down to help us build the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And I don't know if you have kids, but I have kids. And there is, there is a faithful, servant, smiling, candy-giving, humble, amazing person, Miss Andrea Cleveland. Come on up here, please. Yeah, come on, church. We can do better than that. I am so blown away by this lady. The way that she and her husband serve our church with like the happiest heart. I mean, they serve every week. Like they're the only people in the entire church. My staff doesn't even do this where they text me like she'll text me. Oh, pastor, we're so sorry. Like we had a really long week and we're going to need to miss or we've got this or we won't be there serving this week. They serve so often, they let you know when they're not coming. <laughs> not to let you know when they are coming. I just want to say thank you. We see you. The golden hammer goes to you. You're amazing. And I tell you, your kids are thankful. And if, if your kids... If your kids go home hyper, it's because she slipped some candy. I'm, gonna let, I'm sorry to tell your secret, all right? But that's, everybody needs somebody to give them candy every once in a while. Amen? Oh, super thankful for you. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, gosh, I love church. I love church so much. I, I love this beautiful thing that God has given us to steward here in the city of Austin. I love the community that he's building. I love the transformation that's happening. I love just the picture of heaven that he is building here uh, every single day, every single week when we gather together, if it's in a life group, if it's here on Sunday, if it's at a prayer meeting or at a youth service, God has been visiting us in a very powerful way. And I, I want to uh, launch kind of from that point today. And what's beautiful about the Easter season is that, you know, what's, and honestly, what's beautiful about the Bible, I love the unchanging word of God. Anybody thankful for the unchanging word of God? And the beauty is that this season is literally a built-in system upgrade every single year to have fresh revelation of not just the fact that Jesus came, but the effects of his coming and the reality 
of our lives on the backside of his resurrection. And I oftentimes do feel like that we get to, if you grew up in church, and I, I don't know life without church, okay? Like, I, I was in a family where my parents, we were at church all the time. And so I have heard the stories of the Bible since I was a kid. And I think sometimes we get to this time of year, specifically, and we start thinking that, you know what Easter is? Easter is an opportunity for those who have never heard to hear the stories of, of Jesus, to hear the story of his coming into Jerusalem and the, the amazing eruption of worship that happened spontaneously in the city when Jesus walked in. And then to think about the, the power of his sacrifice on the cross and the conquering freedom and victory that we have because he rose again on the third day, conquering sin and death and allowing us to not just experience his forgiveness, but to be repositioned in his presence. And we think like, man, oh yeah, these messages are for those who haven't heard that. But can I just encourage you that I believe God wants to give us all a system upgrade and our understanding of what is the beautiful centerpiece of the gospel. It doesn't matter. What's amazing is the Bible is, is called living and active. And the power in that statement is that you can read the same moment, the same verse every day for your entire life, and it will come alive in a fresh way within you if your heart is hungry. And so we're going to hit some familiar stories this morning, but we're expecting together that God is going to lead us in some new unfamiliar ways. Amen? Do you believe God has something new and fresh for you today, a fresh word of the Lord for you today? I do too. The title of my message is, When Jesus Walks Into the Room. When Jesus walks into the room, let's pray. God, thank you that you're here. Thank you that your spirit rests on your people. Thank you, God, that we are uh, so overwhelmed this morning at your presence. And we're saying, God, just collectively, corporately, we want more. We want more of you. We want more of your heart for us. We want more of your heart for the city. And we want more demonstrations of your power in our midst. In Jesus' name, everybody shouted because they're at church. The triumphal entry of Jesus is written in the gospel accounts. And we're going to spend our time in Matthew's account of this moment. Now, this is Jesus' grand entry into the city. This has been foretold about, prophesied about, prayed into. And this is how the Messiah launches into what is to be known as the greatest rescue mission of mankind. Matthew 21, verse 1 says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Unite them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. 
This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. And while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, listen, Hosanna to the Son of God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. There is so much that is happening in this text. This is a very pregnant text, not just in its purpose, but also in its symbolism. Jesus is showing us not just something that he's doing, he's revealing a part of himself as he is also fulfilling prophecies that were spoken 500 years before this moment. This moment was foretold by the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 9.9. This is what it says written over 500 years before this moment. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on the colt of a fold of a donkey. We talked about this a little bit last week, but when God speaks to us and then confirms what he's doing, it has a different place in your spirit. I don't know if you have been praying for something and then someone comes and prays that scripture over you. That's a wow moment. That's like a, whoo, God, you see me, right? Like we're, and I, th- this is what I believe, that we're in a season of confirmation right now as a church. This started a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and Andrew, I think, mentioned it, is that we, we, we had a prayer meeting, and in that prayer meeting, from, there, we had some guests from out of town. There were over 42 that we've counted confirmations of God speaking what people had been praying, 42. That's what we know about. And we know that there's some that we don't know about. I mean, it happened to me. They were praying for me. Things that I had been praying, scriptures that I had been praying, things that I've been hoping for, they're just like, and the Lord is reminding me of this passage. And I literally started laughing. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. When God confirms a word, a promise, a truth, those moments have weight to them. When Jesus stepped into Jerusalem, this was an incredible confirmation moment. This this was like a times 10, I'm praying the same scripture over you. This was 500 years in the making and now Jesus is coming into this city And as he's coming in, there is something that is spontaneously happening in the hearts of the people. And I think it's important that we understand that when Jesus steps into a situation, 
Worship is demanded in that place. I would actually venture to say when Jesus really steps in, worship is not voluntary. It's it's an involuntary thing. The people, the crowds that began to worship, remember, are the same crowds that began to say crucify him. So it's not as if their hearts were tender. There was something happening in the atmosphere with the coming that evoked the deep longing of their heart that did not even agree with the belief system of their mind. This is what happens when Jesus steps into an environment. A, a, when Jesus walks in, there's, a, there's an involuntary worship that begins to, there's a sound. It, it has a sound. There's like, that's, that's why like we, we, we oftentimes when, when God is really moving, we, we'll, we equate it with worship. Be, because you can't experience God doing something and it not pull worship out of you. And, and even if you're in a low season, like I, I think about, I sometimes put myself in, in the story and I'd encourage you to read the Bible that way too. And it's like, these people that, that stopped everything and started cutting off branches from trees. Think about the chaos and the weirdness of this. Like they're just like hanging out in their front porch, you know, like having a little espresso or like opening up their shop and they're, you know, dusting off, you know, turning the lights on and getting everything going. And then they're just like, you know what? I think I need to cut some branches off right now. Like there's something coming and I need to cut some, I, you know what, I need to take my jacket off and put it on the road. And you know the people were, in, they were just like you and me, which means is that their life was littered with pain. Their life was littered with disappointment. Some of them were waking up in the middle of tragedy. They were frustrated. They were angry. They were, they were, they, they probably, they, some of them were in a fight with their wife. But when Jesus stepped into Jerusalem, their circumstances became secondary to his presence. And so people stopped what they were doing and acted in a way that made no sense. It doesn't make any sense to stop what you're doing, to take your jacket off and put it on the road, to cut some branches off and be like, woohoo, Hosanna! And again, this, this, it's not like these people were waiting for Jesus to show up. These were the very same people that then turned their back on Jesus and say, crucify this man. So there was something that was happening that was coming from within them that was changing their behavior, and it was greater even than their belief system. This is why the Bible says that if the people don't cry out, what's going to cry out? The rocks will cry out. Something that doesn't even have a voice will find a voice if people are silent. Because there's a sound that always accompanies the coming of Jesus. 
There, there, there's a sound. There, there's something in the atmosphere that's tangible. That, that pulls you in. And th- this is one of the reasons why we love gathering together corporately and why it matters and why we want you to be in relationships with people. Because sometimes you need the people of God to set the atmosphere that's going to pull you in when you want to walk away. Because when worship is happening, when people are expecting that God is going to move, you can feel disconnected, frustrated, angry, bitter, hurt. But there's going to be something that begins to bubble up from within you. Because you can't be in the presence of God and not worship. What this moment of Jesus walking into Jerusalem tells us is that God comes in unexpected ways and does unexpected things. Of all of the ways that God would choose for the beginning of his journey to the cross to be a kind of like a neighborhood impromptu parade. You know, like sometimes we think, because we like, you know, we, if you went to Sunday school or you watch movies, we think that like everybody just went crazy and like the whole city stops and they're like, Jesus, you know, and they're like running and flowers, you know, and all this stuff. No, pro- it, was, it, was, it was all, but it was some. If it was all, then they would, they would have known where Jesus was and Herod wouldn't have had to track him down. So it was disruptive, but it wasn't like all-inclusive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This would be like, you know, people coming down your street, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, a little parade of kids. Hey, yo, hey. You know what I'm saying? Where you're like, that's kind of cool. That's kind of an interesting moment. Like, why in the world Jesus coming to save the world? Why would the picture be this very unexpected, this, this choice of humility, This conquering hero riding on the back of a donkey. Yes, it was prophesied and foretold, but that just means that it was deep in the heart of God. Why why was it deep in the heart of God that this would be the picture of the coming of the Messiah to save not just the city of Jerusalem, but the world? I, I think it's because Jesus wants us to understand that he comes in unexpected ways and does unexpected things. He comes in an unexpected way. He comes through something that you've looked past. How many of you walk around animals and you see a donkey and you're like, beautiful. (laughs) Amazing. God, you nailed that creation. No. You're like, it's kind of weird. Ears are a little too big. Makes funny noises. You know, they're a little cranky. You know, like, it, you don't look at that and be like, wow, nailed that. You do, you do look at horses, right? You look at a horse and you're like, ma- like, now that's majesty right there. Like, that's majestic. That is just like, whoa, man. I mean, wow, nailed that. You know, but a donkey? It's got a mohawk. It was punk before <laughs> punk was cool. 
you know, oversized ears. Like, you're, you're not looking at that going, oh, man, you know what, dude? Like, when I take over the world, I'm not going to use a horse. I'm going to use a donkey, man. No, this was, a, this, was, this was a work animal. This was not seen as a, a, a gift. This was seen as a necessity. This, like this, this was the everyday livestock, man. This was not like the show pony. And Jesus is saying that when I come, your tendency is going to be to look past what I'm doing when I enter. Because it doesn't look how I thought it was going to look. It doesn't, it does, I, I didn't, I didn't picture this, man. I didn't, I didn't picture, I didn't picture Jesus coming in at this moment at this time. And I kind of look back and chuckle. I didn't picture God breaking into that little kind of last minute thrown together prayer meeting that we had a couple weeks ago. I was expecting God because God inhabits the praises of his people. But I was not expecting that that would be this catalytic moment in the life of our church. Because Jesus comes in unexpected ways and he does unexpected things. But here's the thing. When he comes in these unexpected ways and he does unexpected things, there's, an, there's this involuntary thing that begins to stir in us. There's a hunger that we didn't have before that gets put in us. And, and, and I would say that that hunger is articulated beautifully by the crowds that saw Jesus coming in, they, they said, Hosanna to the son of David. That's a pregnant word. That's like this word of like adoration and joy and praise. It, it, it is a worship service in a word. Like literally, it's just that, that when you, Hosanna's like all of it. That, that's what that is. And, and I think that what happens when, when God steps in a room, you begin to sense that adoration needs to come out of you. Joy begins to percolate inside of you. But, but have, I, I just wonder if any of you are like me. Have you felt that you have to make a decision if you're going to let that stuff go from percolating to vocalizing. And, and here's the thing. What that lid is, that lid is shame. That, that's, what that, that's what that lid is right there. That, that thing that is trying to silence your voice, trying to rob you of entering into this unvoluntary thing that is stirring in your spirit that just wants to say Hosanna, just adoration and praise. Like, I don't even know what I'm saying, but I can't not say it. That's what the people were experiencing. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I can't not do it. Because it was just, when Jesus walks in, there's this worship, there's a sound, there's this involuntary thing that starts stirring up within us and the crowds responded by letting it out and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. And hear me, 
He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. And he set my feet on a rock. And he gave me a firm place to stand. And what did he do? He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. There's a song in you. There's a song in you. There's a sound that is inside of you. And that sound has power packed into it. Power to lift you up out of the places in your life where you feel stuck. Out of the mud and the mire. Out of the the muck, the yucky, nasty, dirty, smelly, sticky places. But but isn't it interesting that it's the mud and the mire that tell us that we can't sing, but it's the song that lifts us out of the mud and the mire. You see, this is how we get stuck. If you're wondering, like, man, I feel like I'm stuck in my faith. This is how. It's because you, there's adoration that needs to come out of you. Hosanna needs to come out of you, and that, that Hosanna is going to pull you out. It's going to lift you up. But it's the mud and the mire and the muck that says you can't sing that song. You disqualified yourself from singing that song. So, yeah, you know God is for you but you don't think God can use you. So you come to church, you're involved in life group, but you feel like your song is not valuable. Your Hosanna doesn't matter because the mud and the mire and the muck of who you were is still silencing that Hosanna from coming out of you. So you see, man, Jesus is in the room. He's here. People be like, God loves you. You're like, I know. God wants to use you. I had my moment. I blew it. And now I'm stuck in the mud and the mire and... I, can't, I, 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 I hate where I am, but I don't know how not to be where I am. You know, I think a lot of our frustration is, is that we get in the presence of God and we feel this pregnant desire to, to begin to shout, but our flesh tells us that we shouldn't. And oftentimes that frustration comes out sideways on other people, on your spouse, on your kids. But really the frustration is is that you feel like there's something in you that you need to say. But your life, the decisions that you've made, the choices that you made, the things that you did, they are stealing your voice from you. So if you feel like you have to live in this muck and mire And I just want to say that the reason Jesus came into Jerusalem 
was to begin the rescue mission of, of humanity. He came into Jerusalem to qualify those who had been disqualified. That's why I love that it was everyone who saw him coming in. They did not matter what they were, who they were, what they did. That street was probably littered with business people, sex workers, homeless people. It didn't matter what their story was. When Jesus stepped into Jerusalem, there was a sound that had to accompany his coming. And, and I, I, I just believe that there is a sound that's incomplete in our church. And it's incomplete because some of you think that shame has stolen your ability to have anything worth singing. And Jesus came into Jerusalem and he's here right now to lift you up out of the mud and the mire, to pick you up out of the, the dirt, to put your feet on a solid foundation and to put a new song, a hymn of praise in your mouth. I want you to jump with me to Luke 7, verse 36. Luke 7, verse 36. The beautiful thing about Jesus' triumphal entry was that it was a picture of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, but also a picture of how we can then enter into his presence. That we can come into his, as Hebrews 4, verse 16 says, that we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Luke 7, verse 36, I, I want to use this because Matthew 21, Jesus enters into the city, the triumphal entry here in this scripture that we're getting ready to dive into in Luke chapter 7. Jesus was already in the room. He was already in the room. But I want you to see that, that Luke 7 is kind of a little bit where we are. Jesus is already in the room. Jesus is here. He is in this place. I mean, he is right here, right now, in all of his power and all of his glory. He is here. But how we respond in the room will be determined by if we're believing Hebrews 4.16 that we can come into the throne room of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has done in spite of what we have done. Or do we stay at a distance in the throne room of grace because we don't believe that what Jesus did was enough for what we have done? Luke 7 verse 36 says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and she kissed them and she poured the perfume on them. 
And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, if, you, if you're new to church, you know what a Pharisee is, is they were the pastors. So sad, right? So when the pastors who had invited him saw him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he would have known who is touching him and what kind of woman she is and that she's a sinner. This woman's story was a mess. The muck and the mire was known by all. Her life was such a wreck that even the church knew how wrecked her life was. We think about it. She had such a reputation in the city that the Pharisees who prided themselves on being so distant from everything that even smelled like it could taint their reputation, not God's reputation, their reputation, they would stay miles away from it. And she was so wild that they even knew who she was. I've heard people tell the story and they'd be like, well, maybe it's because they were, you know, they, they knew her and she, they were seeing the prostitutes as well. We don't know. That's all speculation. All that I do know is the reputation of Pharisees was that they would not even walk on the same side of the street as somebody who they perceived to be unclean. They would not go into areas of town. The story of Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman is a mind blow because the people would not even walk through Samaria. They would do a 10 mile around Samaria because they did not even want to go into a town that was perceived to be unclean. So what we do know is that this woman was such a mess that the story of her life had found its way across town into the ears of people that prided themselves on never associating with people who lived a sinful life. And it says that this woman stood behind Jesus. And I think this is an important note in the story because she stood behind him because she was afraid to stand in front of him. Because no one had to tell her that she was unclean. As the story begins to unfold, Jesus reveals that everyone in the room is unclean. But no one had to tell her that she was unclean. No one had to tell her she didn't belong in this house. No one had to tell her she did not belong at this table. These were, these were all teachers of the law, pastors, and this, they were going to have some rich theological conversation. And, and here she is standing behind Jesus, and she's so overwhelmed. What happens when you, when, when you walk into the room where Jesus is? There's some involuntary things that begin to happen. And so what happens, right? She starts to cry. 
No one said anything to her. We have no recollection of anyone even acknowledging that she's there. We just know that she gets behind Jesus and she's so overwhelmed by his presence that she, she can't keep her tears from falling. I think she's weeping. I, I, she's, like, she's like in that ugly cry. And you know how it like starts where you're crying and you don't want people to know? So you're kind of like doing that, you know, and you're like trying to snort your tears back up into your eyes, you know, and you're like holding your head up like this and thinking that that's going to keep gravity from having its effect, you know, and you're, this eye's tearing up more, so you lean this way. And, and then it like gets more and more and more. And then you kind of cross that point where you're like, I don't care anymore. You know, and then you're crying and then someone takes a video of it and you're like, ugh. You know, like that, that ugly cry where you're like doubled over and there's like a mixture of snot and tears. And I think when this woman got overwhelmed, she then got embarrassed. That's why she went down and she was like, oh, dang, I got some boogers on your feet, Jesus, my bad. I think sometimes we think these moments are like these cinematic things. No, just like there were human beings like us. Like this was not a scripted thing. This woman was like overwhelmed. And she was probably doing things and she was probably wiping. She's like, why am I using my hair? I, you know, have you ever been overwhelmed? And you're like in the moment, you're like, what am I doing? You know, like, why am I doing this? And then in that moment, this involuntary thing, this, this Hosanna began to rise from within her, even as she was unclean, feeling like she was not supposed to be there. This Hosanna began to rise up in her and she looks and she sees this perfume and she says, you know what? Yeah, this is a good use of this. And she pours it all out, like all just pour, just wasted. All she had pours it on Jesus' feet. Because when Jesus is in the room, you, you can't help but worship him. And your worship is not usually going to make sense to anyone around you. You know, there's this verse where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And I just want to prophesy, there's more freedom in this house than we're walking in. There's, there's more freedom. There's more of God available to us if we will allow that Hosanna to bubble out of us. And not think that, that our Hosanna is, is not needed or not necessary because of the dirtiness of our life because of the things that we've done in the past, because of the things we struggle with right now. I want you to hear how Jesus answered. He hears the thoughts of the people, right? He hears the Pharisee Simon, and this is how he hears him in his heart. And he said, Jesus answered him, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed me money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgives the death of, debt of both. Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one with the bigger debt. You've judged correctly, Jesus. And then he says this, he turned towards the woman. So important. Because she's been behind him. 
so he moves himself. You know what that is? You do that for honor. Right, like when, when an honored guest comes into the room, what do people do? No one has to tell them, right? They all face that person and they all stand up if they were sitting down. But when a waiter comes into the room, we don't do that. So this woman had walked in, no one even acknowledged her. Now Jesus is saying, hold on. I'm not just gonna acknowledge you. I'm gonna honor you like the most honored person in the room. I'm gonna turn to you. Jesus turns towards the woman and says, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and then wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Do you hear verse 47? Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. I, I, I don't know who I'm talking to, but there's some of you who have disqualified yourself because you feel like this woman. You're like, dude, my story, if you knew all of my story, I don't even know if y'all would let me in here. Do you know what? There's, there is a sound of your worship that is so powerful because you have been forgiven much. And the love that is built into your belief system because of where you came from has a Hosanna that needs to be heard. It needs to be heard. And shame is going to try to keep you silent. And maybe you felt this. Maybe you felt this. Like where you, you're, you're like, man, I think I'm going to, I feel like the Lord is speaking to me to go pray for someone. And they're like, nah, you can't do that. You can't do that. And what, what the enemy is doing is he's using the muck and the mire in your story to silence the Hosanna that's bubbling from within you. And Jesus came into Jerusalem to qualify you because you are disqualified. Are you hearing me? I'm disqualified. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. The reason Jesus came into Jerusalem was to restore what we had lost. Not some of us, all of us. Listen to Isaiah 51, verse 11. It says, the Lord, those the Lord have rescued will return and they will enter Zion with singing, with everlasting joy will be crowned on their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. I wanna read Romans eight over us as we go because I believe that some of you have a song and we're gonna spend some time worshiping. I believe that some of you have been worshiping with half of your heart. 
you've been worshiping with half of your heart and you, and you feel stuck in a loop in the invitation this morning is for you to let that Hosanna out. To let your Hosanna out. Because Romans 8 tells us this, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law and the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of a sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Hear me. God wants you to break your silence. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let a worship begin to rise from your heart right now. Right now, let Hosanna begin to percolate and begin to open up to begin to lift you out of the muck and the mire. Some of you even right now are like, but you feel embarrassed. That is your shame trying to silence your voice. Begin to let a sound, begin to let Hosanna percolate up and stir up from within you because there is muck and mire that you are being lifted out of right now. There is, there is a stuck part of your life that is being transformed right now because Hosanna is percolating and bubbling up within you. Come on church, let's begin to worship it. Begin to worship it right now. Open your mouth. Break your silence. Break your silence. 